It's our wrap of the top business stories of the day. And I'm joined on the line by uh, a chartered accountant, a market analyst and commentator, Snesipo Marindra. Snesipo, good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Aya. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm well, thanks, Unjan. I'm okay. You know, I'm just prepping for load shedding. Yes, yes. I was, I was just about to ask you about whether or not you might uh, already be in the darkness. But uh, I guess that's that's the big story. And maybe let's talk about that for a second. Um, look, it's quite clear, um, you know, if you're driving Iskorokoros, a fleet as ESCOM does, a uh, very old fleet of uh, power stations, your new build doesn't come online. Uh, there's a few stutters in your uh, renewable procurement program. It's expected that uh, we find ourselves where we are. Mm, yeah, it's expected. ESCOM problems are where we are at. Self-inflicted. Mm. Self-inflicted corruption. When I think about when load shedding began, someone actually made the comment. I was like, guys, it's been 12 years. No, 13, no, no, 2008. I was saying, Gumda knows our high school. I was, saying, I was like, actually, mm. it's been a long time. Gumda knows high school. That's the thing. So we How long have they been building Medupi for? I, I think they started in 2010. I think Are you sure? Not earlier. I think they may or, have. Or hey, I think yeah, it's worth it's worth oh, checking it's on. It's been yeah. so long that this is the thing it's been so long that now we're even debating how long they've been oh. going for. The fundamental truth is that Medupi and Kusile are out of spec and have cost overrun. They're not operating. They not. They are not operating where they should have come on, and the old power stations were not maintained. Thinking that Madupe and Kusili were going to start working, mm-hmm. and now we're in the situation that we're in. For me, mm-hmm. we. I cannot think that we're going to get out of the mess that we are possibly in from an economic growth point perspective. Because if we have to do another five years of this, it fundamentally means that. On top of the black swan event that is COVID-19, we're not going to recover from this. Hmm. And that's just fundamentally, I don't see anyone committing, and this comes from back in my advisory days. I don't see anyone committing any form of capital if they cannot guarantee supply of power. Mm. It just makes no sense. And we talk about IPPs, but you can't put on IPPs unless you sort out the there is complete problem. Mm. You cannot get them to commit because remember... Because who's going to buy? Who's going to buy the electricity if, uh, yeah. I mean, these guys have these massive liquidity challenges? And people remember, forget that how the IPP procurement works is ESCOM, the off-taker is ESCOM, mm. not the government. Exactly. And unless you sort out the debt problem within ESCOM, fundamentally, you are going to, they're not, they, they're in, their balance sheet is not in a position mm. where it can where it can take on additional um expenses or yeah. balance sheet issues and i think that's fundamentally where we are Snesipo, uh, I, want, I want us to pause here for a second and take a quick spot break and uh, when we come back i want us to continue on that vein because i think uh, you might be able to help us think about what's possible certainly when it comes to escom's uh, uh, capital structure and their balance sheet and then and then maybe we'll unpack some of the operational stuff um, i mean if i think about the amount of diesel bought uh, by ESCOM every month. I mean, it certainly makes people, uh, I guess, sit back and uh, certainly baffles many. But uh, we'll uh, continue on that vein, Snesipo, after this brief break.
Six minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabonga Tawe. It's our wrap of the top business stories uh, with uh, Snesipo Maninjwa. And uh, Snesipo, before we went to the break, I guess uh, we were talking about uh, yeah, load shedding, being a teenager and uh, the build program, uh, probably, I guess, around the same age, um, you know, for the new power stations at uh, ESCOM. But, but I want us to maybe just shine a spotlight and, and hone in on the capital structure and in particular the debt burden that ESCOM is faced with. I mean, I think the number is around um, 40 billion or 400 billion. I mean, I stand to be corrected, but um, certainly something... Uh, um, nothing inconsequential, if I can put it that way. And uh, uh, I mean, what are the options open to the utility to, to manage and to deal with that particular debt burden as it thinks about restructuring its operations, cutting itself up in three, uh, and also, I guess, uh, introducing and transmitting renewables onto the grid? Um, so um, just just so we have our numbers, because I know I love my numbers. Yes. Um, the total debt bill is 488 billion rand. Yes. And currently, they're using in excess of about 50 billion rand um, in terms of servicing that debt, which includes... A year or a month? A year, 56 okay, sure. billion rand a year. And that was the 2020, uh, uh, 2021 financial year, but it's going to grow up to 95 billion, which is an insane amount of money. So basically, if you look at <clears throat> ISCOM's capital structure and where their generation is, there's only two solutions. Um, that is a conversion of the debt to um, equity, mm. to increase the interest payments. And another thing is that you need to show up their cash positions, i.e. you need to get ESCOM um, to get their money back from the meanies. That's the only two solutions you have. Those two things are would have a direct, because if you think about how much debt that they owed, um, how much debt that they owed, um, they would need to, um, if they can collect on their debt and also, um, and they could also get a conversion of um, debt equity, then they would, I think, from a, there would be an optimal capital structure. If you just look at where they are, mm. that again, if you look at it from an equity investment perspective, which is why the conversion is a non a, a non discussion at this point, is from a capital return perspective. ESCOM is operating under huge losses. It is not profitable. It is not positively cash generating because for the past five, six years, including the time of Brian Molefe, mm. they've been borrowing for operational costs. That is always the most dumbest thing you can ever do because if you borrow from operational costs, you eventually hit a debt bubble. Mm. That's sort mm. of where they're sitting right now. Um, so those, for me, are the things that need to be considered. Unless we get to that, for me, the easiest solution for me, the easiest one, is getting ESCOM to collect its debt. Sure. And from, me, from, from many municipalities and many government departments, I might add. Yes, that's mm. for, me, for me, that solves, that is for me, if they can do that, because if we don't address that cash, that cash hole, mm. currently ESCOM is selling electricity and it's only collecting a portion of that revenue from that from electricity sales. So for me, the minute you can solve that, and unless you get serious, I know that there's What's been... What's the likelihood, Nesipo? I mean, we saw no, the austerity no, 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 budget. No, 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 no. We, we saw the austerity budget um, and a big cut certainly in that budget fell on goods and services across the different tiers of state. What's the likelihood that they'll be able to co- collect on that in the short to medium term? Political will. 
this can happen. This is not a very difficult thing. If you think about it, the debt position as at the last time they reported results was sitting about 46 billion, of which 31 billion is overdue. Mm. Which I mean, which is the over, that's the, that's the arrears. You solve that problem. But the point I'm trying to make is this. So if ESCOM is owed, for instance, as it is owed, say by Tabo Mofutsanyana municipality out in Free State, and you see the trend of equitable share or even some of the conditional uh, and discretionary grants that come from national government uh, to those municipalities, which are also on a declining trend, what is the likelihood when there's such massive cuts, both on the budgets they would have used to buy these services from ESCOM? Well, what's the likelihood that they're going to deal and pay with historical, historic debt? Ah, yeah. Let's talk about how ESCOM generates this electricity situation. This is a, quite simple. How munis, munis aren't sell electricity with a margin. Yes. So the how munis work is that they aren't sell electricity via a margin. Yes. If they were to pay over that money, even if you were to factor in the issue... I'm saying what's the likelihood that that money will be paid over? In a context where you've got massive headcount in some cases, very bloated municipalities, the reason why they didn't pay it over first time was because some of it was vied, I guess, to pay some operational costs rather than paying for the bulk service. So, 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 so uh, yeah, it's fundamentally, this is, I think this is where we're disputing. If they were to do what they're supposed to do with the money that they yes, charge sure, consumers, sure. <laughs> this would not be a discussion. For me, this is not about an allocation from Treasury. This is a mis. This is an administrative mismanagement mm. issue. This is not has nothing to do with national. No, no, no. Trade. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the reason yeah. why they're unlikely to pay is because of a lower allocation. I'm saying the likelihood or the likely domino effect mm. is that if the allocations are much lower. So, for instance, if you take the equitable share, which is supposed to fund free basic services, uh, you know, for indigent households, one of which is electricity. Mm. If that declines, what is the likelihood that if they haven't been paying it over in the past, that they're going to pay it over now. Oh, very, very unlikely. But this is, again, <laughs> I, we are very different about this because for me, sure. this is a purely a management issue. Yes, no, it and is. It's a, it's a management issue. Yeah. We, it's a management issue. And unless people, unless the minis operated in a way that was ethical and they paid over the money to begin with, mm. we would not be having this discussion. My issue is that it's the historical debt that they're not settling. Even the current yes, debt, they're yes. allowing these arrears to sure. be growing and growing because of the lack of consequence. This is, a, this is consequence management. And are you likely to see consequences in a local government election year? Yes, and we're in a local <laughs> government election year. And I, I, for me, they all speak to each other. Sure, and sure. That's fundamentally, fundamentally, that's where we are. That's where the problem Slessipo. is. I yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think we, we agree that a lot of this is, um, you know, a matter of um, management and I th- guess also a matter of dealing with some of the politics around the issue. But something else I'm quite interested in is, I guess, the ongoing capital spend at uh, ESCOM. We, talk- we spoke about the power stations that have been built for the last um, sort of over a decade or so. Uh, the other thing that ESCOM had flagged uh, towards the end of last year was that they were going to spend a considerable amount of capital on their transmission infrastructure in anticipation, I guess, for the wheeling of renewable energy uh, uh, onto the grid. Um, y- your sense about, I guess, the speed uh, with which that might happen? Uh, not anytime soon. They didn't get the increase that they wanted mm. uh, from us consumers.
power every time there's load shedding is that you need to tr- generation and transmission are interlinking and unfortunately there hasn't been sufficient capex spend in transmission mm, in mm. years the focus has been on generation and transmission is where for me i think the opportunities lie the where the opportunities lie in for the additional of other power producers sure, but sure. i will say though as everyone who likes to talk about independent power producers, remember what just happened a couple of weeks ago in the day, where they have what happened? Producers. Sorry, I missed you there. You sort of dipped for a second. No, but remember, so remember what happened? Private power producers uh, charge an, ex- an exorbitant rate uh, for people to keep their lights on yes, during. Yes. Ah, Snesipo, your line is dipping there for a second. Uh, so let's try and uh, re-establish our connection there with Usnesipo, uh, trying to, uh, I guess, explain to us, uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, machinations happening around ESCOM and, of course, the Renewable Build Program as well. Four minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories and Snesipo Maninjwa uh, joins us uh, to help us take a look at those. Snesipo, uh, we lost you there. Your line dipped for a second as uh, I guess you, you were mentioning something that had happened uh, rather recently. I remember what happened. So what happened in Texas was that because there was a snowstorm, uh, private producers of electricity inflated the price of electricity mm. because it's like a marketplace. And that resulted in people freezing, um, some people dying because they would go sit in their cars. It got exorbitant for the ordinary consumers. So so that's sort of where... Um, that's sort of where the problem was. Mm, mm. The other things, Nesipo, I mean, I, I think we we probably want to think about is, um, you know, so so when we look at, at ESCOM, I guess, on the sort of uh, uh, the liability side of things, we've certainly covered that and uh, some of the operational issues uh, that are likely. I mean, what, what do you make of... Um, you know, uh, uh, some of the issues around self-generation, because we've spoken about this before. I mean, the, this idea of allowing for embedded and self-generation might effectively uh, sort of wean off some of the good payers from uh, from the grid. Uh, I don't believe in self-generation for industry because those mm. are the people that actually pay the industry bills. So it's just, it's not be, it would not be financially prudent for ESCOM or DOE, to allow for self-generation uh, above a certain cap. I remember uh, Goldfields just announced that they got permission from uh, uh, from NOSA and the government on doing their own self-generation. We know Sibanya is um, investigating. We know Anglo Platz also investigating the options and they're within the process. For me, it is a fundamental bad strategic decision mm. to allow self-generation. Sure from the people that actually pay you. Okay. I think we need to look at localized self-generation, mm. specifically looking at um, residential. For me, that's where I think the, that's where I think some sure. of the solution they lie okay. in that the idea of the fact that self-generation could work in a context of both in But one thing I will never approve of, even though I'm currently sitting off currently, is it's going to be Electricity is privatized. I think if you look where the transportation sector is and you look at the new examples of what happened in Texas, can I actually what happened in Texas? And I was, uh, guys, this is what will happen mm. if, you allow, if you allow private producers. Snesipo, 
I want us to uh, shift away, I guess, from the ESCOM story, and certainly not the last time we're going to be talking about it. Uh, let's go to the world of retail now. Mr. Price, uh, you know, the guys who give to us Mr. Price Home, Sheet Street, and many uh, other retail brands uh, that many of our listeners would be familiar with. They, um, I guess, in, uh, what is it, 460 million rand ac- acquisition of Yuppie Chef. Uh, talk to us about this and, I guess, uh, what it might mean for Mr. Price's home offering. Um, as you know, Yapi Chef in Dauzama. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Zikwana Zaku. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Anyway, so for me, but I'm curious to find what they'll do. I think because it's a 100% share deal, mm. and if they change the management team, this is where I think where we have the strategic failing could be. So, so do you think they're going to water it, down the brand, Yaku? Yes, because I don't know. I I like, <laughs> think about it. Like, um, the other day, I was, uh, you buy a basket, you know, the one where you store your your your, your plants. Yes. At, at, at Yappy Chef, you buy one for 800 Rand. At Mr. Price, 200 Rand. We're two different customers here. Mm. We don't speak the same language. Me, I want to know. And you could pregnant one. <laughs> like, that's the same tax bracket. Me, I want to know that the bamboo, it was made from bamboo that was lifted off the. Off in Asia, hand woven. That is what I want to know. And then they'll like, lie to you. That time, child labor was involved in putting it together. I know, but you know, I know. So like, and it, like, it, it, for me, it's so I, I, I think it's so the, the, the customer segment is so different. Like. But but is that not the play? Is that not the play, Venas Nesipo? Because I mean, you, we've seen many brands who come in like that, trying to attract that premium rand, right? Um, and a lot of people were expecting Mr. Price to go offshore in their acquisitions. They did say at some point, uh, you know, when their numbers came out, we cash flush, we're looking around for opportunities and might say something soon. Uh, but you feel, you know, uh, this is probably not not within brand. Not brand. And also remember, Yappy Chef is a speciality. It's not meant for mass consumption. So for me, they're trying to maybe expand their offering, mm. expand their offering to try and mass sales. But how many people can afford, and this is not some, like, can afford coffee machines, is it Philips car? I saw yeah. one Philips coffee machine mm. for like 68,000 rand. Like, <laughs> like they don't, like, that's the thing. People I, I buy a coffee it. machine for 68,000 rand. And I, I, uh, <laughs> people buy a coffee problems. machine for 68,000 uh, rand. Different problems. But sure. I, I find it such a brand mismatch. But like I said, I'm open to being proven wrong by this mix. But I sometimes, there are certain brands and certain um, experiences that shouldn't be mass market because the market itself is just not big enough. Okay. And I think... And I think that's where it comes from. And sure, uh, but sure. like I said, I'm being open. And like I said before, I'm being open to being proven wrong. All right, all right, because you're speaking as the customer. You know, you're not just speaking as an analyst. Because I think throughout the course of the day, all we've been hearing are just analysts. But we're gonna have to leave it this. This I would have loved to touch on uh, some of the private uh, education entities. But I guess ESCOM, just like they do with our lights, took uh, a lot of our time. And uh, we're going to have to leave it there. And uh, I must say, still shocked about the prices people pay for coffee machines. Snesipo Maninja, as always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you very much for your time.